Good afternoon. Good afternoon. We greet you with Jesus joy and we pray that you all are doing well as far as uh, this time of study is concerned. I want to thank each and every one of you who uh, join us as far as this opportunity to study the word of God. We are continuing dealing with the question of why there is evil and suffering in the world. And as we unpack this in a very methodical way, I want to thank all of you who have been journeying with us over uh, the uh, several weeks that we have been engaging in this time of study. And so as we prepare to um, uh, move forward, I'm going to ask if we could, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer as we sense and seek what it is that God would like to do as far as this time of ours is concerned. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to study your word, to learn more of thee. Um, we pray, oh God, that through technology, that the power and presence of your Holy Spirit will show up, that you, the master rabbi, will teach us your precepts. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway so that we can become the disciples uh, that you would desire for us to be, become more like Jesus and help make your kingdom a working reality here on earth. It's in the name of your son, Jesus the Christ, we pray and in his name, we claim it done. Uh, all those who really believe uh, say amen and put it in the chat. All right. So, Let's go ahead and let's get started as far as our time is concerned, um, as we prepare to uh, engage in this time of study. And today I really want to talk about um, something that a lot of us really don't like to, to deal with. Uh, kind of dealt with it uh, uh, a little bit last week, but I want to unpack it um, uh, with more intensity and even uh, ferocity as far as this time is concerned. And that's basically dealing with the judgment of God. Uh, the judgment of God. Let me say that again, the judgment of God. And we're living in a time where there are churches, uh, there are people that really don't believe in the judgment of God. They don't want to talk about the judgment of God. They don't want to deal with what is called the, the wrath of God. Um, but um, the wrath of God has been displayed in the Old Testament. And of course, Jesus talks about it in the New Testament. Paul digs down deeper with it. And we're going to focus on that passage of scripture in just a moment. But a whole lot of people love to focus on the love of God. And there's nothing wrong with the love of God because it is the love of God, God's unconditional agape love that is demonstrated to all. God loves everybody. God loves everybody. Let me say that again. God loves everybody, um, uh, and that love is displayed in the mere fact that God gives life 
and capacity to live. So God loves everybody, all right? Even those that deny God's very existence, even those who fling their sins in the face of God with no regard, God still loves. However, God's love also has what I call this uh, uh, counterbalance of judgment. And that judgment is connected to the wrath of God. And a lot of folks don't like to talk about the wrath of God. As a matter of fact, in a whole lot of churches, lexicons <laughs> or, or language, they don't even like to talk about hell. Love talk about heaven, but don't want to talk about hell. But you can't talk about heaven and disregard hell. So I, I want to um, I want to unpack this in a very hopefully and perfectly meaningful way that will allow for us to uh, walk away with uh, a sense of what it is that God ultimately is doing as far as God's judgment is concerned. So Romans 9, verse 22 and 23, those two verses are where we're going to concentrate our focus as far as our time together is concerned. Romans 9, 22 and 23. And uh, these words are printed uh, as far as scripture is concerned. What if God wanting to show his wrath, and if you have your Bibles, I want you to circle the word wrath, and to make his power known, I want you to circle the word power, endured with much long-suffering, please underline the word long-suffering, the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, circle the word destruction. And I want you to draw a line from destruction to power. And I want you to draw a line from power to the first word, wrath. Okay. All right. Here we go. That he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory. All right. So notice these words that we have kind of lifted up as far as uh, the text is concerned. Wrath, power, destruction. OK, wrath, power, destruction. Now, let me kind of set the context of this particular text, because what. Paul is doing is really talking about how God is a potter and how humanity is considered to be the clay. And there are times when uh, the clay just doesn't act right on the wheel, that the potter will smash the clay to remake it something else. And so what we're coming to now is we're dealing with a couple of things. Number one, we're dealing with the sovereignty of God. And how God's sovereignty um, can be purposed to different people for different things. Okay. 
The, the other thing that we're also dealing with is the fact that God also has wrath or anger. And through God's power, he can demonstrate his wrath. And when God demonstrates his wrath, everything is torn for destruction. All right. So I, I want to go somewhere with this. What I want you to understand is that really in hell, um, people will experience God's wrath and power in ways unimaginable. God does not delight in wrath and God does not choose some people to go to hell. As a matter of fact, you think about it, the word choosing really should be willing because some are prepared for God's eternal judgment, not because God wants to send them to hell, but because they choose to continue to sin and not repent. All right. So as we prepare to really dig down on this, I want to talk about these three words, uh, wrath, power, destruction. And I kind of want to flip it if I could and start talking about destruction first. So when we look at the word destruction, destruction from a definition perspective uh, is more than annihilation, okay? Um, according to how we look at this particular text, destruction is the end result of God's almighty power being released against those whom God's anger has been building, all right? Because if you notice in verse 22, it says, what if God wanted to show his wrath or anger and to make his power known, endure much long suffering, the vessels of wrath, prepare for destruction. Now, let's unpack that because that word long suffering basically means patience. Okay. So really what God is doing is that God has been more than patient with humanity, with sinners, with all of us, because for those that continue to engage in sin, for those that are sinners, the wrath of God continues to build. And one day they will endure destruction. All right. So for some, destruction has been wrongly interpreted to mean that you are annihilated, that there is, you know, no more existence. And as a result, uh, some folks see in that word destruction, God eventually wiping out the wicked. All right. But, but that's not what destruction means. The word destruction really has as a root word destroy. And the word destroy uh, has um, a compound mixture from the Latin, which means to build and the negative prefix D, which means to unbuild or to undo. It is the idea of taking apart whatever has been put together or undoing what has to be done. So, for example, in uh, war, uh, to destroy uh, a city basically means to leave it in ruins, to annihilate it. Um, uh, if someone is going after a person's financial fortune, it means to leave that person in ruin. Okay, 
So check this out. To destroy a human being eternally, and if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this today because this is where the rubber hits the road. To destroy a human being eternally is to leave the human being in spiritual ruins. His or her life for eternity will be in ruins. His or her life will be a waste, a complete loss spiritually. So check out what's being said. That basically in eternity, um, when the wrath of God comes against persons and even in hell, there's nothing good to look forward to. All right. Every plan will be shattered. Hope of ever recovering from the ruin will be gone. There's no future to look to. And all you can say is that that person is in ruin. And I want you to think about this. To know that there will never again be any hope for anything is scary. So that's what destruction means. It doesn't mean that you go into non-existence. It basically means that you lie in ruin. So I want you to think. I want you to think about your worst day on this earth. If you've had a very, 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 very very, 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 very bad day. And you consider it to be the day from hell. I mean, just a bad day or you're just going through something horrific right now. I'm, you know, or you know about somebody going through something horrific right now. At least in this life, we have hope for recovery. At least in this life, we have hope that it could get better. But in the afterlife, think about it. There is no hope. As a matter of fact, in hell or eternal damnation, in this life, we can we, we, we make adjustments. We get used to living in hell or living in craziness or living in chaos. But in the afterlife, in hell, dealing with eternal damnation, you never get adjusted. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Think about that. That's why you should never want anybody to leave this world not knowing who Jesus Christ is, is the Lord and Savior. All right. How is this going to happen, though? It's going to be God's power released against sinners. All right. You and I, we've seen what hurricanes have done on the eastern shores of North Carolina. When I was living in St. Louis, St. Louis was considered to be part of what is known as Tornado Alley. And we've seen the destruction of tornadoes, ripping up houses and tearing up cities. You and I know of people who have lost everything because a fire burned their home to the ground. Or fire, firefighters out in the West completely 
uh, destroying the foliage. Earthquakes turning cities into rubble. And of course, standing on the brink of nuclear, nuclear annihilation. We remember the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan, and how it basically destroyed those cities and took hundreds of thousands of lives. But think about this, all of that power pales in comparison to the power of God. There is no power on earth, if you multiply a time a trillion, that can match the power of God. And when you think about the power of God, um, there is nothing that can match it. And it's this power that's going to bring about eternal destruction for those who basically thumb their nose at God. I know this is tough. I know this is a hard word to swallow, but we got to be, this is why we should be doing evangelism. And this is why the church exists. And this is why we should be living better. And this is why we should be engaging in acts of love and kindness and mercy and grace and service to bring others into the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Now, it is this power, God's power, that's going to be unleashed against those vessels of wrath that are being prepared for destruction. Okay? And why is that? Because destruction by God's power comes from God's anger. And there are two words for wrath in the New Testament. You may want to write this down. One understanding of wrath is a growing, passionate feeling of hostility pent up within. All right. Let me say that again. A growing, passionate feeling of hostility pent up within. In other words, it's the building of rage. <laughs> It, it's like, okay, I've been patient. I've been good. You know, you've been disrespecting me. Uh, it's only so much I'm going to take. That's what that means. The other one, this anger is released in an outburst of power. In other words, it's uncontrolled uh, rage. All right. So that's the other definition. Uh, anger released in an outburst of power, uncontrolled rage. It is this first understanding that Paul is talking about the wrath of God, where it comes to a boil and in a controlled way, destruction happens. All right. Now, let me be honest. In 2023, we're dealing with some small manifestations of that wrath right now. And. Some of it we've brought upon ourselves. Uh, climate change, um, um, being on the brink of dealing with nuclear war, uh, um, crazy weather patterns, uh, earthquake in diver places. Some of this stuff we're, we're dealing with now. 
But here's what I want to help you to understand. At the second coming, those who are unsaved will begin to experience an unleashing of anger that would just come from God's inner being for all of eternity. In other words, God's word will be complete. And God's justice and holiness will be satisfied. And this wrath will not only be perpetual, but unrelenting, which means it will not uh, lessen up. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And this is what I'm trying to impress upon you. You never get adjusted to it. No one ever gets adjusted to hell. That's why it talks about there'll be great welling and gnashing of teeth because you never get adjusted to it. You never get adjusted to it. And here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. Here's what I really want to impress upon you. And it's for eternity. It's for eternity. If you don't get anything else, I want you to get that. It's for eternity. And you are keenly aware of it. Just like right now, you and I are keenly aware of what I'm sharing with you and us being part of this time of study. That in the afterlife, because we are spirit, we will be keenly aware of it. Okay. So really what Paul is saying is that sin, unrepentant sin, um, unforgiven sin, um, basically giving God thumbing your 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 nose at God or if I could even be more blatant than that, giving God the middle finger. That ultimately, wrath, judgment is coming. All right? The wrath of God, the judgment of God is coming. And, and God's going to do it when God gets good and ready um, and how God decides to do it is totally up to God. Now, I know this ain't no shouting Bible study, but I do have a word of grace that pulls all of this together. Here it is. That for those of us who trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, for those of us who believe that God sent Jesus to die for our sins. For those of us who are willing to say, you know, I'm rolling with the Lord and I'm standing with God. Um, God is going to do something that's going to blow our mind. And God covers us because of our faith in Jesus Christ. All right. 
So all I'm trying to impress upon you is, is that God has been more than patient with humanity for hundreds and thousands of years. Um, God has exercised great patience with us, which basically means that God has been more than fair to us and better than what we deserve. Here's what I want to impress upon you about the sovereignty of God. God's sovereignty does not make us robots. You and I have the power to either accept or to reject God. And although it was God's will to show God's wrath against sin and to make his power known, God keeps postponing action against those who will someday experience God's wrath. But one day, God's going to stop postponing. Here's what I want to impress upon you. One day, grace is going to run out. <sighs> Mercy will not be available. Okay? And what do you do when you can't get mercy? All right? Even though God has mercy on those whom he chooses to have mercy on, those who turn to God in faith, both Jew and Gentile, are basically loved and called by God. So what I want to impress upon you is that God is not some mean despot. God allows those who believe to now become the objects are the vessels of God's mercy. And so I sum it up with this. And here's where I want. I see uh, somebody said, ouch. <laughs> yeah, here, here, here's where I want to, to uh, take that ouch even to another level. Think about it. 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years here on earth is nothing compared to eternity. And whatever we go through here on earth, even in that short time, pales in comparison either to the glory that we can experience in heaven in the here and after, or to the gory, G-O-R-Y, of hell and damnation forever. So throughout of all eternity then, Beings from all the universe will not only see the display of God's amazing grace and praise God and marvel at God for it, but they also will stand in awe and holy fear as they see the wrath of God coming from the heavenly throne upon those who disregard, disrespect, and basically cast jaundiced eyes at the God from the throne of justice. So I say to you that God is a God of love. God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of forgiveness, but God is also a God of wrath and judgment. And you can't have a God of love without having a God of judgment, but you can't have a God of judgment without having a God of love. And in all of God's sovereignty, God ties that in a nice, neat bow by giving us time and by being patient with us to get 
this thing right. So as I close, if you know a person who don't have a relationship with God, if you know a person who are giving God the middle finger, <laughs> if you know a person who, when you start talking about God, just blow you off, lovingly and graciously just engage them in acts of service so conversation can take place so that God can use you as perhaps a tool of evangelism to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus so they won't experience the wrath, the judgment, and the anger of our God. So before we close, are there any um, questions or or any questions uh, that any of you all have before I, I close and um, any questions or comments, you can put those in the chat. Any questions or comments, put those in the chat. All right. Pass a check on the screen. Check on the screen. All right. So our time of grace, oh yeah, time, grace will end. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, grace ends when you die. <laughs> yeah, grace ends when you die. Let me say it again. Grace ends when you die. But for those of us that are alive, when God gets ready to issue judgment, that's the end of grace. Yeah, grace ends when you die, though. Ain't no second chance in the afterlife. Yeah. Yeah. Grace ends when you die. And yes, grace will run out one day. <laughs> yeah. That would, yeah. Sister David says, thanks for the clarification. While, well, well, while the clarification is given, it really wasn't anything to, to, to clarify because when you die, that's it. <laughs> um yeah that's that's it but yeah yeah one day you ain't gonna have a second chance or a third chance but especially when you die that's it yeah yeah any other questions any other questions any other questions any other questions so this is why we do what we do as far as the church is concerned for evangelism. This is why we try to live a certain way so that we don't experience the wrath and the, the negative judgment of God. Uh, uh, because check this out. Hear me well. God judges our sins. And God rewards our righteousness. All right. So as um for those that have, have joined us, thank you all so much for your, um, for your time. Um, as we close uh, for this time, if you feel led to give, uh, you have more than the wonderful opportunity to, to do that. Um, 
someone said, can we do a study? No, well, no, I'm not going to do that, Sister Queen, because nobody really knows what's going to happen during Jesus' thousand-year reign. And unfortunately, even that is some white folks stuff that they came up with trying to explain what's going to happen. Nobody knows what that looks like. And all this amillennial, premillennial, postmillennial stuff has nothing to do as far as how God flows. I will say this, though. If you do what Jesus told you to do in the first coming, the second coming will take care of itself. I don't concern myself with the second coming if I do what Jesus told me to do in the first coming. So a lot of folks engage in grand speculation that is really out of kilter and off mark. And I don't want to confuse anybody with trying to explain all that stuff. Sister Edith Boyd had a question. All right. What was her question? Since grace um, ends, does evil ever end? Yeah, 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 it will. It will. When God... Um, when, when, well, first of all, for us as believers, evil ends when we die because we don't have to deal with death no more. We're covered by death. But also um, uh, what God is going to do is that God will also put Satan and all of his angels in hell where they will endure uh, the eternal torment with sinners as well. Yeah. Yeah. So evil and suffering eventually will end. Um, um, we just may not see it in our lifetime the way we think we're going to see it. All right. Any other questions? Any other questions? All right. If not, um, we're going to close as far as this time is concerned. I want to thank you all for, for joining us. And also at the same time, if you feel led to give, you're more than welcome to give uh, for Bible study. Uh, and you can give uh, either for Bible study or even your church offering. You can mail it to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, 28205 by uh, mailing check or money order, or you can drop off check money order or cash at church, but call the church office first at 704-334-5309 to make sure someone is there to receive your offering. Right now, you can also give online uh, on our church website through ACS or Church Life, or you can give through the app called Givelify. And if you don't have that uh, app on your smart device, search your App Store, go look for Givelify, download that app, connect your favorite credit card to it, and in three clicks, you can give. Uh, so I uh, want to explain that and give you the opportunity to do that as well. So um, next week, I'll be wrapping up um, um, this conversation as far as dealing with evil. And um, um, and what we would do is we would look at Ephesians 1, verse 11 and 12. And um, we'll unpack that as far as that's concerned. All right. Well, listen, God bless you all. Thank you all for your time and 
for your questions and conversation online um, and hopefully and prayerfully um, uh, we gave you something to think about and we gave you a purpose to share the love, the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless you all. Take care.